Honest, open, and vulnerable may contain adult language and material that is not suitable for listeners under 18. This is a stream of consciousness podcast that delves into an eclectic mix of topics. Audience discretion is advised. listening to episode 111 of Honest, Open, and Vulnerable. My name is Ryan. I'm Scarlett. I'm Matthew. And we absolutely welcome all forms of audience participation. You can write us an email at hobpodcast at gmail.com. You can send us a voicemail at 231-846-8420. And you can find me on Instagram at Matthew Scribbles. Uh, you can find us on Instagram at HOV Podcast. Uh, you can find my blog at inscarletstorm.wordpress.com. And you can find me on Instagram at the Fuchsia Lady. That's F U C H I A L A D Y. And you can also post a comment on our website, hovpodcast.net. You can also like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash honest.open.vulnerable. And you can find me on Instagram at Colonel Tuck or Colonel underscore Tux. That's K E R N E L underscore T U X. And this month we are coming coming at you live. Coming well, not live. <laughs> live. Pre recorded, not live. live. <laughs> Live as you listen to it. Exactly. <laughs> Transition studio, and boy, is it ever. Um, so let let's see here. You, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna take. We're gonna do it live. Do it live. Yes, we're doing it live. Do it live. <laughs> okay, and that, that press this over here. Good fruit. Um, let's do do do. All right, copy link, and okay, so this is, um, what, so I'm just, um, I'm just going to scroll, scroll in here, so, uh, what, um, everything looking good to you everything looks great how about a countdown folks okay um let's move let's move this over here so where i can see it um and and there we go where's that where, where's that here we go our patreon pay our patreon is now live so, as, as as we said, you know, you, okay, we got we got some, we still got some technical glitch. Glit- Patreon went live and the podcast went dead. <laughs> That's because no, you went not. live. That's what happens when we skip a countdown. Oops. Yeah. Well. Well. No, we're um. We got some cable cable stuff going stuff here so well i'm hard of hearing too so sometimes it goes in and out sometimes it's not necessarily the equipment um are are you are you sure this is the sound that we're talking about yes (laughs) so there we go i fixed it okay (laughs) 
So, um, so our you can find us at Patreon. Well, actually, I will have a link at the top of our website, hovpodcast.net, and you'll see in big letters Patreon. Or you could go to patreon.com forward slash hovpodcast. In either case, it'll take you to the same spot. <laughs> so. So, um, I just want to uh, kind of go through our uh, ev- everything here. So, in pa- well, Patreon is a way for you to uh, contribute or um, be contribute to a some to an artist or what or what or what what have you. Um, usually, it's on a per or. It's either on a per item basis or a monthly basis. I decided to choose monthly, to where and it's monetarily. Yes, yes. Yep. Um, <laughs> Make sure we know that. Well, yes, yes. <laughs> and um, so you just pay a one-time monthly thing instead of paying for every, every you know every item we post, <laughs> which that that's the kind of the big difference any anyway so um it's less than uh all of our options are less than a cup of coffee at starbucks so it's either one it's you know one I, it's like we have a one dollar level a uh, five dollar level and I, I believe we have a 10 as well um well um i, I probably should have double double checked all of our <laughs> all of our tiers but um if you go to patreon.com slash hov podcast <laughs> you'll know more than we do apparently <laughs> we're, we're as i said we're doing it live <laughs> so this is live to tape folks so um so again it, it's either you know like one dollar a month five dollars a month you know and so one um one tier that I th- I think is um, is u- unique is that we're doing is unique is uh, individual corners. So each one of us kind of has our own little. We we're all we're all different. We all have like our little projects that we we want to do. So um, I I was uh, what um, I, I I was wondering if you guys wanted to kind of. Speak on uh, on as far as the your corners. Um, I will. Um, my corners are have not been um, determined yet um, or defined yet. I guess. Um, so they're not quite ninety <coughs> degrees. Right, right. They're kind of they're more rounded. I need to kind of sharpen them. But I do have I do have some writing that I'm going to be doing. Um, some stuff that's probably going to be kind of unique. I have I have some. This last month, I I made a list of uh, things I want to do for Patreon as far as um, some writing I want to do. So um, I'm kind of excited about it, but uh, I haven't had a chance to really sit down and define what my corner is going to look like yet. So it'll be an adventure, but um, I kind of have an idea. And, um, but I haven't really done a whole lot to put the puzzle pieces together yet, but I do have, I do have some ideas. So that's kind of where I'm going. I love the way that the two of them looked at each other. And <laughs> like, are you going to say something? Are you going to say something? Why? Okay. So, um, with, with me in particular, I'm, uh, th- 
I'm, I'm planning on doing some writing, doing some video and photography, and um, at, at, at least at least with mine, it'll definitely be a dynamic thing. Um, there might be some stuff that I do on, on a whim and it's like, Hey, this, this will be fun. I'll just put it out there. <laughs> so there, there might be some of that, that going on as well. So. Well, as far as what I'm going to do, mine's uh, going to center around surprise. It's going to be my writing. Uh, <laughs> no, I don't believe it. I know. <laughs> I know. Right. Imagine that Matthew scribbles doing some writing. Who knew? What? <laughs> <laughs> So uh, right now, essentially, all of my uh, my past published work on my Instagram account at Matthew Scribbles. Uh, if you would like a hard copy of those, those will be available at, in my corner. I am also going to take commissions. So if there's a special someone that you want to try and express your feelings on, whether it's uh, a friend, a family member, or otherwise, uh, you can get in touch with me. I can try and uh, say the words that you're having trouble saying, and you send that. Uh, through the uh, the postal service or any other shipping company that uh, may exist, so that's another option. Some other things I'm going to do is I'm going to put up some unpublished work and possibly some stuff that may not see the Instagram. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> oohs and ahs all around. So, a couple of different things. Uh, We'll figure it out as we go, and we'll have let's have some fun. So, I'm looking forward to uh, putting so, putting some of this out there for uh, everybody to consume and do something a little different. So, if I get a commission out there saying, "Hey, I want to tell uh, I want to tell my best friend that uh, that he's been a he's been he's been a be- he's been a good part of my life," but I don't want to sound like uh, it sounds too sappy. It's like, all right, well, let's uh, let, let's let's go with that. So. Sky's the limit to be cliche, and that's exactly what you want out of your writer, to use a lot of cliches for to say the things that you can't say, so or don't want to say, or afraid to say. That's why I'm here, in my corner. You don't say. You don't say. <laughs> so. All right, nerds. <laughs> I say that very affectionately, because I am one, but I was going to say... Um, <laughs> You've had all this all this time to run away, <laughs> but no, nah, um, you're stuck with me. <laughs> but um, every as do it live. <laughs> <laughs> so every uh, like in the production of this show, we only use uh, op- open source uh, op- open source software. I mean, we don't have to pay. It's all it was all free. We didn't have to you know, pay, pay any licensing fees and everything. So 13% of what you contribute to our Patreon will go, go, will contribute to one, one of those open source projects. And every, every month, um, we will, uh, we'll have, uh, an open source spotlight in wh- in which we talk about one of, one of the, uh, <laughs> one, one of these, uh, pro- projects and, like and thirteen percent of what you contribute in that month will go will go towards uh, go go towards that that particular project. Um, so, is there a reason why it's thirteen uh, percent? No. 
Okay. <laughs> not not really. that right up. <laughs> it, it was <laughs> clear as mud. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. It was well. It was the first one that really came came to my head with the like. Well, I don't want to like you know. I want to actually keep some of it, but I don't. I don't want to look like a cheapskate either. And you know, so and and it's and in the open source software world, it's really it's 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 really hard to make money. <laughs> um, there there are a few there are a few. Uh, com- company there there are some companies out there that are you know but in in the for the, for the most part it's you know when the your when most of your user base doesn't have to pay for it <laughs> you, you know it it's it it does you know it's not very hard to think that yeah you're you're not going to be making that much money so um i since um, all of these, uh, the soft software that we use could potentially bring us some money. I, you know, the fact that it's, you know, it could potentially be bringing more money in. I'd like to, you know, send send some of that back. <laughs> you know, because there, I mean, there there are uh, there there's a num- number of proprietary uh, solutions that I that I could that I could be using. And they that that are you know match that are comparable as far as matching feature to feature, and so I, you know, anyway, it's it's kind of a way that I that I wanted to kind of give give back. So because a lot a lot of people worked very hard to to make the software that that we use, and I didn't mm-hmm. I at as of this moment I have not paid them a single cent. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, it 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 takes a lot of time time and and energy to maintain this stuff. So, you know, so we here at HOV are down with OSP. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> I had to think about that for a minute, but okay. <laughs> yeah. And any anyway, um, so what's been going on with you, Scarlett? Um, well, I don't know if I mentioned it on our last podcast, but I uh, came down with strep throat, which is fabulous, and uh, I knew it was going to morph into some bronchial infection, and I tried to tell the doctor that, and she listened to my lungs. She says. Oh, no, you don't, no, no, it's just strep, you're fine. Sent me home with penicillin, which gave me a UTI on top of everything else. And then I got got a bronchitis infection the next day. So I don't know what's more annoying, the cough or the UTI, but I'm done with my penicillin and I'm starting to feel better. So it's been two weeks, but I'm starting to feel better. So um, because I started a new job, I just, I've had a lot going on and I haven't had really a lot time that I've chosen to devote to my my blog or my <laughs> Patreon. And um, I'm about to pull myself out of that. It's a new month. So new goals for myself. And yep. and uh, you should see some more on my blog. I, I definitely am making that a priority. So that's kind of what's going on with me. So, um, you know... Uh, Still, I'm kind of re- refining kind of my whole uh, uh, 
well, I don't want to say job search, but um, uh, career crossroads, let's say. <laughs> so as, as I as I've mentioned in previous episodes, I'm going more for I'm going to make I'm making a go at the freelancing lifestyle, and right right now, um, right right now, probably one of more more marketable skills is Linux sys admin, and but there's but I'm also look looking at uh, programming or soft software development. And um, I recently had a posted something on in Instagram about a little coding project that I was working on that we to kind of solve a problem that we've been ha having just he here in the studio. And so I know that I have a the aptitude to code because the well first it didn't work the first time it never does <laughs> and i actually quite enjoyed the process of uh debugging and getting and work working through it to make it work which actually um kind of as an aside i think a good uh definition of debugging is being a detective in a murder murder case in which you are the prime suspect <laughs> hmm. You know, I know that at the the company I work for, which is not Company X, we're going to call them Company A because I'm really happy with them right now. They may turn into, they may morph into, a, you know, Company X down the road, but right now they're Company A. And I will say that that we have a whole department that does nothing but IT and debugging, mm -hmm. and my department. Um, we're like the redheaded stepchildren, so we get the least priority, but we have the most problems. So it's just kind of interesting. Um, we're getting ready to launch a whole new system. That's a whole nother clusterfuck I'm really looking forward to. But uh, I do know programmers, debuggers, all of that, I give them props. They, Without them, <laughs> my company couldn't work. So, yeah. I I think and for you to take on that special project, which we're not going to get into because it's has nobody else will appreciate it but us. Yeah. Um, for you to kind of figure that out on your own, that was I'm kind of happy for yeah, you. Yeah, I I I actually jumped out of my chair when when I was able <laughs> to get the whole thing to work because <laughs> you know this is this is something that didn't exist before. So you know yeah. you built something. Yeah, exactly. You took the time to sit down and craft something that wasn't there before so there's some there's a lot of pride to be had in that in that uh, journey from start to finish even when it didn't work the first time you refined your process and when you tried it again and it was successful that's uh, that's a victory yeah and of course it's it'll, i'll still you know obviously be tweaking it and refining it and what and whatnot but um there's something to be said for a personality of, I heard somebody, I've, I work with a girl who uh, has a degree in programming and she decided she went into cyber security, so, mm -hmm. hated it because all she was was a coding drone. She, it's not for everybody. It's just mm -hmm. not for everybody. And I give props to somebody who can have that mentality and that drive and that determination to find what the problem is and then make it work well and i don't have it i don't have the patience i don't 
Well, I mean, I can I can see how someone could be a, a coding drone, as you said, in the in the cybersecurity field, because in a lot of times you're doing port scans, you're look, you know, you're doing very repetitive work, where whereas the the. I don't think that that holds true across all of, you know, software And not everybody feels that way. Not everybody feels like that coding. You know what? The world needs, quote, coding drones because without the coding drones, we don't have code. So I wouldn't call them. Not necessarily. I don't put them down for that. She called herself a drone. I did not do that. So um, I'm just saying that. Don't sell yourself well, short on that. Yeah, that's I mean, that's an accomplishment. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's a there's a place for people that do coding creatively, and there's a place f- where people fix fix problems in code in already existing code. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you know. And anyway, so I mean, I've been that was down the road. Right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> drone on, everyone, drone on. Keep calm, drone on. Uh, <laughs> nerd alert. This whole this this whole program's a nerd alert. <laughs> it's been nerd alert since episode one. I didn't say it was a bad thing. I no. just said I'm just stating the obvious. So I've been I've been um, asking to people that I know you know if the you know on using different platforms um, you can contact you know people you know both both software developers and Linux sys admins for informational interview because I kind of want to know what it's like on the other side and if one of those uh, paths lends more to a freelancing lifestyle I'm going to go that route. And I'll fi- I'll figure it out. Um, right right now, I have I mean I'm closer to doing paid work through Linux than I am with coding. But you know I, I inside inside my head, there's an Adam Savage and a Jamie Heineman fight fighting, <laughs> and it's the, tell and our listeners who they are yeah, in case yeah, they don't okay. know. Yeah, if you're not a f- familiar with MythBusters, they're you know. Um, at Adams, the kind of ADHD hyper guy that just tends to go, even, even yeah, that just tends to go, even though it might be you know in a totally wrong direction. Jamie Heineman is the more sl- simple, methodical, you know, slower kind of um, kind of. Let's think about the ramifications of what we're about so, to do, right? And so I. You know, I so want to be Adam Savage and just go because I'm getting a bit stir crazy. <laughs> but at the same time, I want to make sure that, you know, I'm, you know, I want to look before I leap. So um, if if software development lends more to- towards free- freelancing, um, I'm going to have to go. I'm going to have to do, I'm going to need some schooling. <laughs> so, um yeah, that's that's kind of where where I'm I'm at with with that. And so, um, what's going what's been going on with you, Matthew? Well, speaking of taking on new adventures, <laughs> I had a few adventures here, and since the last time that we all gathered around the microphones together, I decided that uh, with a little bit of free time I've had lately to do something that. I have never really had the opportunity to do, and that is just do something completely and totally spontaneous. Asterisk. I say asterisk because I had this 
uh, I had this planned in the summer of last year, and thanks to a series of unfortunate events, I was not able to execute this plan as well as I would have liked, but I ended up doing it anyway. I took a very, very, very quick one-day trip to Vegas uh, at the at, towards the end of March, and I was in Vegas for a grand total of 14 hours. From touchdown to takeoff, I was in Vegas for 14 hours. Why was I in Vegas for 14 hours? Good question. Thanks for asking. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm not hey, that... Hey, Matthew, I'm, yeah. why were you in Vegas for 14 hours? <laughs> I'm not that quick on my feet. <laughs> Sorry. Great question. I am so glad you asked. <laughs> the uh, the uh, Colorado Avalanche were playing a uh, game against the Vegas Golden Knights at T-Mobile Arena in Vegas. And since Vegas is essentially a 90-hour uh, flight out west, I thought, why not? Let's go ahead and throw some caution to the wind. Do you mean 90-minute? You said 90-hour. I did that again? <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't even catch that. I did. I'm listening. That's why. <laughs> I, I was going to say, did you fly into Denver from Denver the long way around? <laughs> Well, t- time's kind of wibbly, isn't it? <laughs> wibbly wobbly, timey wimey. Yeah. So, a ninety minutes, <laughs> minutes, uh, flight out west. So I, I landed Vegas a little afternoon, and I head down to the arena. Uh, first time I had been to Vegas in nearly eighteen years. So. I don't really remember a whole lot about my last trip out there because it was late at night and I was trying to get home. But seeing Vegas in the daylight and seeing Vegas where you actually need a jacket because it was pretty windy and kind of cool out there, uh, circle those days on your calendar because you're not going to need a jacket in Vegas for a significant portion of the year. So this was this was a, a monumental occasion for me to take a jacket to Vegas, be in Vegas just on a whim, and go see this hockey game. I absolutely had a fantastic time, even though the Avalanche lost. But being out there and seeing a brand new facility, a brand new team, and a brand new fan base that hasn't had the uh, fortune or misfortune, depending on how you want to look at it, mm-hmm. of carrying around years of either triumph or heartbreak or a or mix. Both. <laughs> A mix of the two and then the expectations of what your franchise is supposed to be or become or whatever. And just see this town just along for the ride with how well the Golden Knights have been doing is it's very refreshing. The The people of Vegas love this ta- uh, love this team. They're having a ball. They're they're, they're They've just really taken it, taken to it. Don't you mean having a puck? <laughs> I mean, considering they don't use balls in ice hockey. Well, wait, 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 no, well. the fan could have a. The fans could be having a ball. The players have the puck, so it's okay. On technicality, she's right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just thought I'd say that just to throw a wrench in the whole thing. However, don't you have two pucks now that were special? Yes, uh, the Golden Knights do a very special uh, limited edition uh, uh, sale of commemorative pucks for each uh, home game. And I was lucky enough to be able to get my hands on on a puck for 
for the game. It's very the the artistry on it is very well done. It's very it's a limited edition number, and it's a very nice souvenir to have uh, from this just world whirlwind adventure. the The building was the the building is great. The gift store is dressed to the nines in full night regalia. They have banners. They have one of their uh, racks of jerseys is uh, adorned with swords that are taped with hockey tape on the hilts. They have spears that line some of the clothing sections. Now, are these, I want to go to Vegas now. Are these like battle-ready swords and spears that you're talking about? or they <laughs> I would presume they made it safe for the general public to be around. So I would... I would so not metal? They are metal. Oh. They're just not sharped. Okay. They're sharpened. Dull. Dull. Yeah. yeah. Safety. Yeah. Safety steel or whatever you want to call that. Yeah, that sounds about right. So they they just went all out to really embrace the identity of what the Golden Knights should be, since no one really knows what that is. <laughs> yeah. So the game ops were great. The uh, the pregame introductions were were absolutely stellar. Best I've probably seen in in the NHL, uh, and that's saying a lot considering I was in Detroit for uh, a game in November last year to uh, to see the new arena out there. So comparing the the weighty, lofty, original six franchise that that is Detroit and seeing all their heritage and history, which is very well done. Don't get me wrong. They, the Red Wings did an amazing job with uh, Little Caesars Arena and see how the, the newest addition to the league did theirs. And there's so many differences between the two, but the way that the game ops were done for Vegas, if it's one thing that Vegas knows how to do and do well, it's put on a show. And they hit every single box. It was glitz. It was glamour. But it was done in a way that it was – it wasn't a gimmick. So it was very much hockey-centric, but they made it fun. They made the – they got the crowd into it. They had – they have this uh, setup in one of the ends of the arena where they have a a castle erected. And they have a drum line there that has a neon – lit up drums and they drum their their special drum numbers during uh pregame and it's all decked out in you know full uh medieval regalia the ice crew's decked out in in night type regalia as well the gold and the black it's just it's just it is a spectacle but it is a hockey spectacle it's not like a, a goofy gimmicky mm-hmm. spectacle they really just no showgirls then. No showgirls, <laughs> no feathers, no leotards, none of that. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, there it is. <laughs> so Ryan's anyway. sitting there with a triumphant grin on his face, and I think well, that he well, just made he just threw. Matt off his where he was going. <laughs> I still know where I'm going. <laughs> it was a lot of fun. The fans were great. They they didn't uh, they didn't have a care in the world. They they were loving life. Of course, their home team won, They've clinched a playoff berth. So they were just on cloud nine. Even wearing an Avalanche jersey, they you know they were. They came up to me and they were really excited. And then they they say, "Yeah, Golden Knights are great." And they look at my jersey. 
oh, it's an abs fan. We don't care. We still think this is awesome. <laughs> and it, it is, there's not that disdain when you're a traveling fan to go to some other markets mm-hmm. sometimes and get the, yeah. look, the look of derision. Mm-hmm. But, oh, you're from insert city here and, and kind of felt, uh, made to feel like you're not welcome. Right. It wasn't like that in Vegas, not one bit. I think with Vegas being a, essentially a destination city for all walks of life and not just for hockey fans, right? It, this is going to be – this was a, a stellar move for the NHL to get to Vegas and to do it before any of the other professional sports leagues did. That's true. Yeah. Because they needed to get in the ground – you know, on the ground floor right away and just get this fan base uh, – uh, with you know, not a death grip, but a nice, a nice hockey hug. <laughs> <laughs> there is a pavilion outside the arena called the Park, and it's essentially a destination right off the strip, just a block away from the um, from the the arena. It connects the arena to the strip, where they have a couple of sports bars and restaurants. But it's it's the gathering place for all all of the Vegas fans and other hockey fans to go and just. Uh, Hang out. They have live music there. They have uh, on the other side of the uh, the park. They have uh, games and giveaways. People can play beanbag toss, and they can uh, enter to win merchandise and listen to live music and enter to uh, win some money or whatever. It's all. It's it, it. It. They've just really. They. They've just wrapped their arms around this new. This new uh, this new team, and I think there's going to be a lot of support for the Golden Knights going forward. And as as a fan of a team that's also a small market team, where we the Avs have to compete with other sports uh, mm-hmm. leagues, and then of course the the scenic beauty that we have here in the mountains and all the outdoors stuff that we have here to have that. Uh, to, ha- to essentially have that, not have that competition. Of course, you're going to have the casinos and everything like that, but you, those are everywhere. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You, to have one sports team, and of course, football is going to be coming to Vegas, you know, down the line, but to have this, this is different. This is what separates this from everything else, from the shows, from the concerts, from the gambling to mm-hmm. whatever. You're going to have this hockey thing, and it's going to, it's a community thing. It's a community event almost in, in a way. You're gonna go see the uh, the sports, but you're there with your fellow Vegas uh, brethren and sistren. I don't know what the uh, the, <laughs> yeah. the other the other the other term is, but and you're all there to you know do your thing. And the I I, I tip my my proverbial helmet to the uh, the Vegas Golden Knights for uh, making the the atmosphere fun and enjoyable and welcome as an opposing fan. Uh, I am. I'm glad to have gone. Uh, if there were anything I would say uh, that could be improved upon is uh, the sound system. The sound system is overwhelmingly powerful, and I don't mean that in a good way, unfortunately. It's a little too loud. It's a little ear-splittingly ear loud. What? Exactly. <laughs> but uh, my view was great. The seat was uh, – it, it was it was passable. Uh, I'm, I'm used to my Pepsi Center seat, so <laughs> – I'm always going to have that yeah. to kind of judge the rest of the seats I'm in. So, sorry, T-Mobile, you kind of lose points there too. But for the for the, for the two and a half hours I was in that seat, it did its job. It didn't <laughs> fall apart. It 
it, it was great. So um, the construction of the arena is amazing. And there's a, the, the concourse that I was on, it's kind of in a, in a horseshoe. And at the tip, tip of the horseshoe, it's dark. And the windows that are all lining that concourse are all facing the strip. So you can see all the lights of, this, of the casino, which is just a stellar nice. view. And outside is the, the smoking pavilion. So the, the smoking crowd can go out and overlook the, uh, the plaza there and see all the lights outside. It's, real, it's, it's, a, it's really neat. It's certainly, um, it's certainly worth taking the, uh, the time to go and just even just to check it out in the daytime. It mm-hmm. is is neat, just so you can stroll along the uh, the the park and have yourself a waffle sandwich. I had a, a waffle and fried chicken sandwich while I was out there, and I had never had one before. And waffle as bread, it, that doesn't sound like it would work, really. It's a little unwieldy, <laughs> but yeah, I made it work. Well, you're not it's trying to wield flavors. it like a sword, but it's more the flavor. I I can see that kind of that idea. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I can see it being a problem too. It can it can be a little little bit problematic, but it made it work. But also something I had never done before. I had never just picked up and gone to Vegas on a whim. I've never had a waffle sandwich. Uh, and I guess just like the last time I was in Vegas, I didn't put a single dime in a slot machine because Vegas took plenty of my money. Thank you to the Armory Vegas Knights team store for <laughs> having a whole bunch of things that were uh, really fun and shiny and also very expensive. <laughs> so congratulations, Vegas. You you win the pocketbook. <laughs> Again, the house always wins. And in this case, that yeah. was very true on multiple levels. But I caught I, I caught a red eye home. I got home uh, around four thirty in the morning and saw a whole bunch of snow outside. I was like, "Oh, this is different." And so compared, not really. Well, compared to being in Vegas, I mean, I was there all day. Fair, fair. And it was fair nice enough. and sunny, and I landed snow everywhere. I'm like, oh, oh, okay. So I was in and out of Vegas, and I was uh, I was go- essentially gone for a whole day and. It was fun. It was fun. I just, uh, I, I've never done something that, that spontaneous before. And knowing that it was something that I was doing for something that I enjoy doing and going to hockey games, it was, it was a thrill. And going to do that again, uh, I would love to get the chance to do it again if I can whether it's going to L.A., whether it's going to Phoenix, whether it's going to Dallas or some other reasonable commute via airplane that's not uh, 90 hours long. <laughs> <laughs> or even 45. Even 45, yeah. <laughs> I would absolutely love to do it again. So that that was great. And, and just to kind of wrap everything up, I was able to do some um, some networking out there with, uh, with a couple of the Vegas media uh, – one of the Vegas media people who used to be part of the Avalanche media, I was able to uh, promote uh, Burgundy Rainbow, which uh, I do uh, stuff for as a writer and a whole bunch of other things. So uh, I was able to pass along our brand new business cards. They're awesome. And I'm not saying that just because I have the photo that's uh, <laughs> that's on the card. That's That was a, that was, that was a nice surprise. I didn't even know that they were going to use one, that uh, my photos on there. So it's great. 
uh, I was able to do some networking out there, and I was able to do some networking when I came back thanks to a open skate event at Pepsi Center here the last couple of days. I was able to skate on the Pepsi Center ice, and because I'm never going to do that professionally. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and to, to feel what what it was like to be on my home ice, literally on my home ice, uh-huh. and look around and and still have those experiences from Vegas in the back of my head about what it was like to be in that in that atmosphere and then just be on the ice in that atmosphere and to just it really was I words are failing me to describe what it was like to be to, to do that and then to do some more networking with more avalanche media here for burgundy rainbow that night uh, it's just it's just been a wild fun hockey week and if someone had asked me this Eight months ago, if I would be flying to Vegas just on a whim, meeting with hockey media types in two different markets, uh, promoting a hockey blog that I'm a part of, if someone would have asked me if I would if I would have done that, I would have probably, uh, I don't know if I would have laughed, cried, or hit him. And, I don't, <laughs> and not like you know, I get a in like, that order, not in that order, <laughs> but it's like if I would have been like. You know, I hit them on the show, like, get out of here kind of thing. So is I, I, a wise philosopher once said, is this the real life? Is this just fantasy? And in a way, it's kind of both mm-hmm. where I've been able to do something fun that I love in watching hockey and go and have this weird, wild adventure in Vegas and come back and do another weird, wild adventure here in Denver on my home turf with uh, with Burgundy Rainbow and just uh, have have a ball and that's isn't that what life is supposed to be? Yeah, exactly. To maybe do something that's a little a little unexpected, maybe something that may not necessarily be in your character, but something that you enjoy doing, and have a fun and amazing story that you can share with uh, your friends and your family and say, hey. I did this really awesome thing and mm-hmm. be able to share that. And the people that you tell that story to can see the joy that it brought you. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I, um, I've actually had a sim- um, similar ex- experience for when, when you came back, back when, uh, the, when we had the cutthroats, because before their uh, their season opener, I think they had one one or two days where they let they let people you know actually you know tour tour the facilities and actually skate skate on the ice and and you know I wasn't gonna pass that up <laughs> and yeah it's not it's not the fucking pep it's not the Pepsi Center but you know I mean that I to to this day I mean I still remember what it what it what it felt like to to skate to you know skate on that rink see, seeing all of those seats kind of going out in all all directions and see you know know what it looks like to see you know to see the scoreboard you know from 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 the ice and you know and all and all that so yeah it, it it's it's one of those pinch me i'm dreaming kind, kind of, of yeah adventures being in that locker locker room and being in the abs locker room where I'm like, that's uh, Nathan McKinnon stall. That's their showers. That that's the sauna. That's uh, the, the, the lockers. It's uh, that's the logo in the center of the room. And to be able to do that and skate on the ice and go and talk to these people here and in Vegas and just have this adventure. It's like, this is, this is, 
this is life. This is what yeah. life is. This is what it means to be alive and to live and find something that you find joy in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if I would have had this opportunity, if I would have even thought to have had this opportunity eight months ago, a year ago or whatever. Mm-hmm. I, I just wasn't in that headspace. And now it's like you do this and then suddenly doors to new ideas and new possibilities come to you. Mm-hmm. And maybe in a future podcast, maybe if we hit some of our goals for Patreon, we, yep. uh, maybe we can do a remote where one of us is in studio and two of us are somewhere for a Comic-Con or I'm in Canada for a hockey game somewhere mm-hmm. or something along those lines. Yeah. So Awesome. Awesome. So the possibilities could the possibilities are just so numerous and who knows what what patrons we do get between now that we're launched and down the road what we can have and mm-hmm. those are really really exciting there's no telling where the we possibilities. can go yeah. and i am just excited cuz i know we have listeners we're gaining listeners we we have our fan base is expanding a little bit and it just I'm excited about seeing where it's going to go. Yeah. And um well I had recently posted on in- Instagram about a new uh little handheld camera hol- holder or harness or whatever that will allow me to do better better videos and and all that and you know what we're you know I'm excited about where that that's going to lead as well. Um cuz I I I definitely de- uh want to do more traveling but um that that's gonna have to wait while i (laughs) get some other stuff figured out but uh part of in that i i've been looking at like different uh code schools um like coding boot camps and you know other other stuff and i noticed i noticed uh two uh schools in the bay area one in san francisco and one in fremont and they both take uh, take this. That's California, right? Yes, yes. I didn't know that. That's why I'm clarifying. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure there are other free there are Fremonts in other states. So there's one here in know. Colorado, for one thing. So like, all right, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> so any so yes, this is in California, and um, both both of these schools take a diff, uh, take a disruptive approach. Um, they have peer led, uh, peer led and project based, uh, programs. And I mean, they have like ins- instructors there as facilitators, but, uh, the pro your okay. boink. <laughs> yeah. Um, the, pr- the prime, uh, place where you like learn stuff is through your peers and, um, which, which if you go back, I mean, you take it back far, take it back far enough um, to where we're in like little villages where you have one schoolhouse and you don't necessarily, and you don't necessarily have different, I mean, I'm going back far and <laughs> back, back probably way eight, back. Yeah. Like 1800s, maybe early 1900s where not they, even that far. My, my dad went to a one year, one room schoolhouse. Okay. Okay. So, fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Um, I know where, I'm old, but you know. <laughs> well, it's, 
well, it's to where you know you have one, and you don't. It's not all one grade. You have like a couple in grade school, a couple in like you have know, like one in high school, and and that's just way too much for one teacher to keep track of. So what en- ended up happening is the high school students kind of help helps with the lower and you kind of work. So that so that's kind of the model that they're that they're going with and which is totes which is totally different from how a lot of a lot a lot of us learn which is real structured classrooms one person standing standing up front dictating to the to the rest what what things they need need to memorize and um so i i was so i i thought i'd uh, bring bring up the bring this up because i think it would uh well the the way that we are taught in the age of information is starting to change. There, um, I remember when I went to school. Uh, when I went to, when I went back to school, I was thirty one, so I was I waited a while before I went back to college, and I went to a community college, and I chose that because I wanted to get all my general stuff out of the way, and. The community college that I went to had a peer program where I was able to actually tutor in sociology, which was also my major. So I was able to, where I would attend classes that I already had taken. So I'd already taken these classes, but I would go into the classroom, sit, have the instructor do its thing, and then I would hold tutoring sessions or, Hey, let's delve into this. I remember we did one, um, where communication, um, there's a, there's a very famous case study of, for example, this is one that I use a lot. Um, there was a famous case study by Philip Zimbardo, who's a really famous psychologist who, went and kind of just, he did this, it's called the Stanford Prison Project. I'm mm-hmm. just going to break it down really quick. Uh, basically what they did is they took volunteers. Um, they took like 10 volunteers to pose as prisoners, 10 volunteers to pose as guards. And then they were going to do this prison, this 30-day prison project uh, down in the basement of the Stanford Sociology Department, which sociology was barely Mm -hmm. and it was the psychiatrist it was a psychiatry also and this is why we now don't use human guinea pigs (laughs) because of this particular project uh what happened is um the volunteers that were prisoners they actually were arrested at their homes and taken to this prison in parentheses, um, and they very quickly, the prisoners started behaving like prisoners, where the guards started being power trippy, and it was just this weird little dichotomy, and they had to shut it down after 14 days. Um, they had one, one prisoner who had a complete nervous breakdown, um, can't imagine why <laughs> because they just it was just so so what we did is we we actually looked into the prison project 
that that Stanford Prison Project um, broke it down very detailed. It was just something, hey, this is something that's in your textbook. Let's investigate it further. I got a hold of a videotape that actually uh, was Philip Zimbardo, who's in charge of that project at the time, and he actually broke down why it wasn't ethical and why we'll never do something like that again. Um, so, uh, you know, those kind of things, but it was all peer-related. It was all, hey, I got to choose my own curriculum. What am I going to focus on? Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it was... Uh, it wasn't just me. It wasn't just sociology. It was science. It was, you know, chemistry. It was math was doing, hey, let's teach things a little different. Maybe what you're seeing in the book or the way the instructor's teaching isn't working. Let's try a different method. And it was just, it was, it was really, I think that, the, and this was like, God, 13, 14 years ago. So they were like, realizing there are different ways to learn. And uh, right now, I just heard about, I heard about a school here in Colorado. It's an elementary school. And what they're doing is they're, they're doing a lot of topics where it's all peer focused, where it's like, okay, here's your problem, or here's your, for example, here's a math problem. Before you come to the teacher for help, you have to go to three of your peers. Um, They have what they call the genius hour, where they all get to pick their own research projects and how to find information on those projects. Um, So um, I think that just in general, we're seeing... That the traditional way, especially like history, regurgitating dates and and facts, isn't the best way to learn anymore in the information age. When you have the internet at your disposal, you can go deeper and you can go. There's better ways to learn, and I think I'm I I think peer peer to peer is one of the most effective methods that they're discovering because if you can if you can teach somebody else what somebody just taught you that is a good indicator that yes you have a good understanding of what you've just been taught if you can teach somebody else so i just think that um it's a sign of the times and i'm glad that there are other it's not just one program it's not just Mm -hmm. it's not just information um, technology. It's not just math. It's not just English, not just history. It's everything across the board. They're realizing, oh, wait, there's got to be a better way. So I think that's interesting. And there's also kind of a, if you think about it, it, there's also kind of a community aspect to this approach as well, where you're getting, where you're getting that community type of atmosphere with people at your same level, whether it's age or call it what you like, but you're, you're, you're building those pair bonds. You're building those peer bonds Mm -hmm. in your disciplines, whatever those disciplines are. And so you're, as the person doing the instructing, you're helping to essentially reinforce the discipline at your level 
and you're all coming up together. Mm-hmm. There's there's a saying, and um, when Ryan and I first entered into a polyamorous relationship together, um, we kind of had a saying that a relationship only progresses at the speed of the slowest person. And I think there's something to be said in education for that. Yeah. That there is no children, that there should be no child left behind because we ought to be picking each other up. And so, yeah, definitely that community that this is what is good for society. This is what's good for, yeah. Well, I mean, and in a program like that, you're not... Yeah, you're not leaving anybody behind because you're not. You're, there's not a structured class structure where you have to take class A before you. You have to pass class A before you can get into class B, and if you don't pass class A, you're gonna you're gonna have to re- retake it and you know put yourself back another semester. Semester, whereas if you just do like progressively more difficult projects in which you're you're you know fixing real world problems in what in whatever particular topic that that you're dealing with then then you know you're 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 actually you know like you're you're lear- you know you're still learning at your own at your own pace but you're you know doing you're doing it in a way that's that works for you where whereas you know the the you know, one person up up front dictating to you know. Obviously, that works for some people. <laughs> some people work really well on in in that setting. Not not everybody does, but um, at least with you know peer with the peer led uh, project based stuff. Then then again, you do get that com- community aspect going, and you know the pe- people up front kind of help bring the people in back up too, because then then the people that are struggling with it they have multiple voices that they can go to it's like okay this isn't really work working for me how how does that how does this work you know well it's kind of like somebody like ryan for example who's really good at analogies you might be that's debatable well you might be able to well you come up with them i don't know how good they are but you do come up with them but you might be able to show me through an analogy something where oh that's how that works because a to b where i wasn't seeing that before that i was missing a puzzle piece so i don't think that we all learn the same we don't have the same personalities you're not you're learning practical skills too mm-hmm. how to work with different people with different personalities different learning styles what's your learning style you may not know and these are all practical skills that we need as as we develop as people mm-hmm. to learn how to uh, interact with people who have different personality types or learn at a different on a different uh, wavelength. So to move away from the homogenized approach is it's an it's a novel idea. How far it goes, of course, remains to be seen. Yeah, but I think that it's it's in all practicality. The technology is moving us faster. Um, or how do I want to say this? The the we have technology that we didn't have ten years ago. Yeah. So the 
the way that we teach needs to evolve with the times. Well, we're in we're in the middle of a new um, industrial re- revolution in which we have to be more flexible, and in that um, the instead of having like this suitcase of of knowledge that was cram- crammed into us. What's more important now is knowing how to get the resources that we need for whatever we're dealing with at the moment. And com- entities, both, indivi- both individuals and, and companies, need to be able to pivot, to use a buzz term, to, you know, stay, to sustain themselves and be malleable. And that requires a totally different uh, skill set. It requires you to be able to uh, just at at a at the f- you know flip of flip of a coin be, you know work with a totally new set set of people and that have that have their own perspectives and and problem solving uh, uh, stuff. So uh, in we have we I mean we have to you know start preparing just you know or well everybody <laughs> if if you want to if you want to you know, sustain yourself with the, with what's with the, in the economy going forward. So, um, yeah, so that, so that was, <laughs> I, I decided to bring that because I thought it would, it's a good top. It's, I, I thought it was a good top. It's a good topic. So a, a good discussion among your peers. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and, oh, Matthew. <laughs> and, uh, kind of content, Continuing with the um, the uh, education uh, track, there um, you uh, Scarlett uh, brought brought to us an art an article on. Well, how so. um, education grants are being turned into loans for no good reason. Uh, what this is is these are people who have agreed to. They're studying to be teachers. And so they're being given these grants, $4,000 a year, um, to as long as once they graduate, they agree to go teach a needed subject for four years in a low-income school. Once they've, once they've met that requirement, they don't know anything. And it's a grant to start with. What they're finding <laughs> is there are teachers who are meeting the requirements, but the Department of Education is coming back and saying, no, you didn't turn your paperwork in on time, or you forgot a signature, or you know what, you forgot to put a date on this, so therefore now you owe all of that money as a loan. Plus interest. <laughs> Plus interest. Um, Colorado is especially feeling this problem. And so um, the Department of Education is claiming, oh, we didn't know this was going on. Okay, one person is a, okay, that was an accident. But when you have hundreds and hundreds of teachers who are bitching and moaning that this is going on, don't tell me you didn't know. You you had to have known. Well, let, let's be let's be let's be a little clear. It's uh, I th- I think it's the Department of Education, not necessarily a state div- division of education. Though, no, right? no, 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 no. It's a yeah. It's the Department of Education um, because it's happening in other states. It's not it's not the local level 
This is the federal, it's a federal grant. It's a government grant. So what they're doing is they're trying to figure out, okay, we have these backlogs of people who've been affected. How are we going to fix it? But the Department of Education has looked into it and are going, whoa, we dropped the ball here. How do we fix it? So they're trying to come up with a fix. But it's, it's, it bothers me because I was, t- I was telling, uh, you know, we were talking before we started recording. I have two aunts and two uncles who are educators and have all taught in low-income schools. They chose that because that's where the need was. And these people are volunteering to go, okay, where do I, where can I do the most good? And then they're being screwed. (laughs) And it's, one guy said that, okay, his paperwork, he turned it in on time, but he forgot to put a date on one piece of paper. And they said, nope, you owe thousands of dollars now. And that's just wrong. That's wrong. Teachers get fucked in the ass anyway. Pardon my language, but they do. <laughs> they don't they don't get paid enough. They mm-hmm. don't get enough credit. And then this shit is happening. Really? And it just uh it gets my blood boiling. And it's one reason why I thought about going into education, but I didn't want the hassle. Mm-hmm. And I so and that's that's unfortunate because I think I would have been good at it. But it's not something I have any desire for because I've watched other people get screwed. And stuff like this just is a prime example of why the whole system needs to be reformed. Yeah. And it's not just the education, you know, it's not just education reform. It's the system in general needs to be updated and what we're doing isn't working. So so that's, that was just my my little two cents about that. Yeah, that, that pretty, pretty much mirrors my, my thoughts is that, um, is that, well, yeah, first off, well, at least, at least in the U S I can't, I can't really speak for, and for any other country, but at least here in the U S teachers are definitely not, are definitely not paid enough. And they, it, yeah, they, 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 this this is just one example mm-hmm. of all the bureaucratic bullshit that they have to deal with, <laughs> and I mean we have new standardized testing like the C CSAP I think it was mm-hmm. where you know they're you know they're uh, <clears throat> so yeah um, it it's a standardized test yeah it just goes on and on and I understand that we need to have some standards standardization I understand that to a point. Mm-hmm. But since when does the way that my student perform make me a good teacher or a bad teacher or a good school or a bad school? Right. Because maybe it's the way we're teaching. Maybe we need to do more mm-hmm. peer to peer. Maybe, you know, it's, it's those yeah, kind I of things. I, I can't tell you how many times it, through, 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 you know, elementary, junior high, high school and all, and all that. I can't tell you how many times I, th- you know, in the middle of a lecture or, or whatever, whatever, I can't tell you how many times I, th- I thought, well, I'll never use this. I wonder how many how many of those were tied more to the way the way that 
that I was being forced to learn versus the the content itself? That's we a good t- question because let's I'm going to use one example of uh, math. Yes. Yeah. And specifically percentages. Oh, yeah. I still to this day have trouble calculating percentages. However, if it would have been something that would have been brought in a curriculum that was based around finance as a young child and learning how to manage money, right, yeah. something that was a little more of a practical skill that you need as an adult, regardless of where you are in the world, mm-hmm. bingo. then I'm sure I probably calculate the hell out of percents at this time in my life compared to what I ended up getting. We were talking the other day about, I was lucky I had, I had some interesting classes um, when I was in junior high, one of my most useful classes was a class called life skills. You know what they taught? How do you balance a checkbook? How do you uh, budgeting your money? Now, do I use it? No, but that's me, not the class. Um, things like practical things like just and the other the other class I remember very vividly is civics. How does the American government function? How does the stock market work? How does just knowing those things, even though you don't necessarily think of it as an adult, but it is things you use. You get an you get a four hundred one k. Do you diversify? Do you keep everything in one basket? What do you do? What and what's the difference? And what's the, what are the pros and the cons? And you know some of those kind of things that, and a lot of it had to do with the way that was taught, not necessarily what was taught, but how it was presented. I've I've met I've met uh, some people that actually learned more about civics through Schoolhouse Rock. Than they than they did in their actual classes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just I mean, just you know, to make a presentation ar- argument as far as that's concerned. So I'm just I you know um, I just think that uh, I'm glad that they're taking responsibility. The Department of Education is taking responsibility. Hey, something fell apart here. We don't know where it fell apart, but something fell apart, how can we fix it and make sure it doesn't happen in the future? So I will give them that, that they are, they they didn't believe it. When it was brought to their attention, they were like, no, this is an exaggeration. This is not happening. Then they investigated and they were like, whoa, this is worse than we thought. So I will give them credit for at least taking responsibility for, okay, something went wrong. How do we fix it so it doesn't keep happening? And uh, just as somebody who has educators in my family, now they're all retired, but it just, that just gets my hackles up. So <laughs> anyway, <laughs> moving, yeah. moving on to our, la- our last little bit here, which I, I, find interesting something else somewhat civics related (laughs) yes actually (laughs) show title (laughs) something somewhat civics related (laughs) something civics this way something something (laughs) (laughs) but recently here in uh denver there uh was a 
ballot initiative started to decriminalize uh, uh, psilocybin mushrooms here in Denver. And what I mean by that is have the have um, possession of of magic mushrooms uh, be the lowest tier of enforcement for uh, law enforcement, which is how that which which that was also the first step with uh, cannabis. Um, being as being a person that has used uh, hallucinogenic uh, mushrooms uh, for uh, spiritual uh, and uh, spiritual searching, um, I'm I'm a little dubious because um, with cannabis. <laughs> Uh, 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 well that it doesn't really work because you can't well anyway (laughs) focus but um there i mean at least at least with cannabis i mean the the medical argument is a lot more i don't want to say palatable but it's a lot more um receptive yes um the because uh, with psychedelic mushrooms, as to whether or not they're help, they're healthy uh, depends on a very wide range, very wide range of variables. Like, what's the setting? Um, did you know who are you that, doing it with? Yes, exactly. I mean, how how is it being ad- administered, and you know, all all the all these sort sort of things. And anything that you're do- anytime you're dealing with anything that's psychotropic, anything. Mm-hmm. As somebody who has a, I have a mental illness. I should not ever even attempt mushrooms. That's my personal choice because they're unpredictable. I don't know what would happen. I don't know. However, if it was in a, the proper setting, mm-hmm. that's you know that, that would be. Deci- I would make an informed decision. Um, I think it's all. I think that there's always going to be that argument because some people can have some people can drink, not have a problem. Other people, you give them one little drop of alcohol and it flips their whole personality. Yeah, it's the same with marijuana. Some people can hold their marijuana, and some people it flips their whole. <laughs> th- some people are unpred- more unpredictable. Right. Um. It's it's with anything. You have to be responsible, and you have to know yourself. Although I think the the knife edge of as far as people being able to handle it and not. Um, I think that's a lot sharper with, uh, psychedel- with psychedelics than, than it is with, with, say, cannabis. I agree, because anytime you're messing with hallucinogens, how you react may not be how I react. Right. We were talking about this. We have, we have a friend. We've talked about him before. I've written about him in my blog. We're going to call him Ma'am. Sorry, M. You know who you are. Um, he's bipolar, and he chooses not to be medicated for it. Okay, I know who you're talking about. Because okay. we talked about this the other day. Not because he hasn't tried every medication under the sun to help him, but because it it changes him, and it 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 doesn't matter what medication it is we've tried different cocktails he's tried different you know and it just he has made a conscious decision not to medicate 
And he is the one person who I've got his back on that because he's attempted it and he's tried it and he knows what works for him and what doesn't work. And, and however, being bipolar, one of those symptoms, one of the symptoms of bipolar is, oh, I'm feeling better. Therefore, I don't need to take my meds and I'm not going to take my meds. And, and then it's a cycle. So there's a fine line there, but I think that it, you, it really boils down to, you have to know yourself and you have to be educated. For me, it's not worth the risk. Because I don't know what would happen. And it's, n- I don't care how many people I'm around who I trust, I don't trust myself enough. And it's not worth the risk. But that's my personal choice. That doesn't mean that somebody else is going to make that same, have the same situation as I have, and they make a different choice, and it works for them. So, but I do think that the, the, the decriminalization, okay, that's one thing, but yeah. are you going to regulate it? Are you going to, what What does that all entail? What does that mean? And I I don't think that well, we have enough information. No, yet. no. Now, in, in the past, we're, talk, we're talking in the, I'd say, mid-late 50s, um, in, uh, in, what was it, um... Berkeley, they, they, I know, I know specifically Berkeley, but I'm sure this, I know this was happening in other places that they were doing psychiatric, uh, tests where it was, you know, people were, um, well, alcoholics for, for actually, for one thing, uh, they had a, a certified psychiatrist administer a certain amount of uh, like a small, small dosage of L- LSD to an alcoholic and would use that to kind of help um, as part as part of the treatment. Another another um, another way that they psychiatrists would actually take LSD themselves, so that they would know what uh, what go what uh, go, goes through the head of a psychopath. Um, they've revisited something similar, not too long ago, um, where they take. Um, I can't remember. I wish I remembered exactly what it is. But people who are struggling from severe depression and they're giving them something like, I don't think it was meth, but it was something, no, it was meth. And they were under the doctor's care, under the doctor's care, and then letting them kind of write that out. Um, There's a huge controversy about it. And obviously... They don't do it um, in the mainstream because they're still studying it. Mm-hmm. I believe it was meth. It was either meth or um, I want to say it was LSD, but I don't think so. I think it was meth. It was something very controversial, very controversial. Uh, kratom. It might have been kratom. Um, well, well, I know that um, it was. But using some psychot- psychotropic, mm-hmm. um, psychedelic, something with psychedelic properties. Um, and people who have experienced the treatment swear by it. The problem is insurance companies aren't going to pay for it because it's illegal. Um, and it doesn't, it's like really expensive. It's like $500 a dose and it only lasts for a couple hours for some people. Other people, it lasts a couple of weeks. It just, it's, it's very 
unpredictable and it's very so that's why they you have to do it under a doctor's mm -hmm. you know um when you're dealing with psychedelic psycho you know hallucinogens yeah your body chemistry is gonna it's unpredictable i just don't think and so you really have to know yourself to take a risk mm -hmm. and Make sure that you're in a safe environment and make sure that you're with the right people and make right. sure that it's worth it to you. And um, so there's a lot of that. And that can't be regulated. It, yeah, it can, yeah, it can. I mean, well, I mean, if you're going you know, to decriminalize psychedelic yeah, mushrooms, yeah. It, you That's can't. That's true. That's you can't, true. How can you regulate personal choice? With a ballot. Yeah. Well, yeah, and exactly. it's exactly what's going yeah. on. It's the ballot initiative. And we'll find out how many people are going to be open. Where they might have been open to marijuana legalization. How yeah. do they feel about this? I'm, I, I, read, I mean, speaking as a person that has used such substances, I definitely want a more vetted approach. Like, I'm, I'm totally fine, fine with it being, being used in a psychiatric um, in a psych psychiatric uh, kind of sense, but again, for I mean, it's good for extreme cir circumstances, and so I mean, I'm totally fine fine with it being used in that way. Um, as far uh, yeah, as far as op opening it up like this, like with 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 cannabis, for but I'm 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 a lot more wary about that because there's. A whole lot of variables that you can't really control. Well, and there is a lot of unpredictability, exactly, variables that you can't. And just because, hey, I took this dose last week, you know, a year ago, and I didn't have any adverse effects. You can't turn around and expect to have that same experience. Right. Yeah. So. It should be interesting what, uh, what comes of the ballot initiative. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be... Just to uh, kind of take a look at that, but um, I th I think it's about time to wrap to wrap this up here. So um, I'm gonna go ahead and press that. So I do think thank you for listening. Um, if you made it this far, uh, definitely check out our Patreon uh, page at patreon.com forward slash hov podcast. Um, we definitely appreciate any feedback, and uh, so please comment using the channels found on the contact page at hovpodcast.net, and please subscribe to us using iTunes, Google Play, or TuneIn. <laughs>